Hi, everybody. Will Alexander here with this week's interview chair. Today, we're interviewing none other than Hollywood's own, no, Canada, Canada's own Fred Petty. Sit back and listen to Fred for an hour or so. Hi, everybody. Will here with this week's interview chair. It's none other than Mr. Fred Petty. Dog show I will. Hollywood, as far as I'm concerned, Canada. So, how oh, are that's you? That's very kind. <laughs> that's very kind. I, you know, I was just saying that I can remember sort of first meeting you back in the day when your dad was showing Irish setters. And that goes back. And then you had your yeah. little break from dog shows and went on to other ventures. And I just sort of stayed in the old rut of dog shows. <laughs> that <laughs> yeah, drew me back <laughs> how have you been how are things how are you and Bert doing we're doing very well we are very much enjoying our life down here in new brunswick we moved eight oh. years ago oh is that uh, long ago wow yeah we have a great set of friends that we've developed here uh none really doggy but have dogs or have had dogs and they're more of our generation, which is, you know, pushing the sod the wrong way at times. But, <laughs> but uh, it's, it's been very enjoyable for us. It's a quieter pace. We have a great house that we enjoy very much and uh, just having a good time. Oh, good. Good to hear. I, I haven't seen you in so long, it seems. It's great to see you. Well, uh, thank you. Okay, let's get started. How did you get involved in the sport of dogs, Fred? Well, as a child, I was never sort of allowed to have a dog, which is the best way to start somebody's passion going. (laughs) And I remember reading a book called My Own Brucey. It was a book on a chap that had a cocker spaniel that he bred and he showed. He worked at a kennel for 35 cents an hour to save up for the dog and eventually won Westminster. And I said, I'm going to do that. I'm going to work at a kennel. And there was a local kennel in Claremont uh, that wasn't really that much of a kennel as a production of dogs. But I drove my bike every day, winter, spring, summer to look after these, this kennel at 25 cents an hour, saved up my money. And I was doing figure skating at the time and traveling by train into uh, aging court to train. I passed this chow kennel all the time and I kept thinking, God, they're nice. So, my mom and dad really didn't want me to have a dog. So how old I saved up. Sorry, Fred, how, how old were you at that point? Nine. <laughs> wow. <laughs> <laughs> so, and I, this was, the passion started at nine. It was about 13 when I bought the first dog. And I saved up my lunch money from high school for a year. <laughs> Went over and bought this chow. Probably one of the poorest examples of the breed. But. I showed her, I went to junior, into junior handling and everything, bred her and produced uh, a Westminster brace, uh, 
was the last year they did braces. I went the brace there. I went winner's dog, winner's bitch, reserve winner's dog with three dog. And it mushroomed from there to, you know, the passion in that breed went on to where we had Shang, who did a lot of winning. And well, don't, we, don't jump ahead like that. I want to know how you got Shang. I want to know. And well, Shang did well, so much for, for Canadian dogdom at the time. So it's, I don't want to. It, miss- it was interesting. I, I had this, these friends, Joey Natras, number one who was having a litter. And I really liked the bitch that she had. And I said, could I buy pick up litter? And that produced a dog uh, called Buddha Han, uh, Han Feisu. And he was a best in show winner. We, I handled him myself and then uh, used him at stud for a dog, a bitch that Pat Rob had. The puppy, she, she didn't like the puppy. It had a, he had a problem with his eyes, sort of a, a opaque cornea and was going to put the dog down. And I had just seen him and he's one of those dogs that your heart skips a beat. He was so perfect. The picture of him, looked at him in profile and head on just took your breath away and she said well i'm going to put him down if you want him, you better come up and get him walked up grabbed him quickly we treated his eye every three hours for six months they were fine and he was one of those dogs that became so lucky you know, we showed him, he got his first group in the U.S. at seven months of age, best in shows. He had a remarkable career and he just did everything right when he won the group at Westminster. The dog that was reported to be the winner of that group was a very famous bulldog. But Shang was being judged by, the judge then was uh, Melbourne Downing. Melbourne Downing with his little clicker <laughs> came up the ring, stop, look at the dog, clicked it. Shang just looked at him, stepped three feet up, licked his hand, never did it again, and never did it before that. And Melbourne says, any child that licks my hand is winning the group. so he just went on from there you know he was a remarkable dog had great humor of presence and i i was we were very lucky to have the dog and from him we had what year uh, was the garden with the shang one pardon me what year did shang win the group of the garden uh 74 74 okay and he was top dog all breed in canada 75. 75. And continued, I think his last show was at nine and a half. And he won a specialty show in the state. He won the national from the veterans class. Because <laughs> all the child people are looking to 
the list of specials and go, yes, he's not here. He's not here. All of a sudden. <laughs> what was his oh, full name? I know it. Uh, my my two's Han Su Shang. <laughs> and he was on the cover of Dog Food. He was everywhere in Canada. We saw him all the he time. Was. He was, and he had a great personality and a kindness to him. He wasn't a nasty dog at any point. You know, he would just go off and he was a stoic dog because at Louisville, when they did the Centennial Dog Show in the United States, he was hit by a car while exercising at night. Herb Williams, who was my partner at the time, took him out and took him off lead and he was hit by a car. I know that. He went on, won the national, won the group, never a whimper on him. Wow. <laughs> so, you know, just, just a remarkable dog. And he produced very well. He produced, you know, the top, uh, a couple of best in show winners here, a top dog in Australia. So, you know, he was a, a nice stepping stone and he was, the catalyst for my judging and he did a lot for getting me known in in the sport because we had i had had dogs for so many years but he was the one that really put me on the top and introduced me to people that were great dog people of the time and still are you know in in retrospect well, I, I remember from, him as a kid. So I was in 75, I was 10. And I still remember him. So oh he was he was just remarkable. And you know, he was that bright, vibrant red dog. So you're in a, a black and white group of non-sporting with nothing that, you know, other than golden uh lasses or something. But all of a sudden you're going down black poodle, white poodle, black and white bulldogs are whatever. And then there's this red chouse in front of you. And he was pretty magnificent. And, yeah. You know, great dog. <laughs> he's just one of those dogs that I, you think back of fondly because I, again, I was young, but he's just, he's stamped in my head. So I remember seeing him and I'm thinking there's Shang. So. Yeah. Yeah. He had a, he had his following. He was the Elvis of dogs of the time. <laughs> <laughs> That's incredible. How old did how 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 old was Shane? How long? How uh, long? He died at eleven. Eleven, I believe. Okay. No, uh, unfortunately, he died in a swimming pool. But it was really odd because a psychic came up to me a few years later and said, "Don't worry about Shane. He died. He was I'm sorry. He was dead before he hit the water." So he had a heart attack and fell in because he was always running the property around the pool. He knew it. There was no jumping into water after a, a duck or anything. But, you know, that was kind of weird. That is weird. Yeah. <laughs> Jeez. Okay. So after Shang's career, where did you go from there? Well, we, I did a lot of work with Loblaws. And at that point, Dave Nickel was president of Loblaws. And Dave had a, a really an obsession with French Bulldogs. And we 
we uh, ended up buying him a French bulldog that was being shown at the old sportsman show. His dog named George. And I had, uh, I liked the breed. They were, you know, a lovely little breed. We went to Europe uh, on a holiday and I went to the German club match. And I got to know the Van Romstonk, who are the De La Per breeders, and Prince Ratavor von Kobe, who won the specialty that day. And I saw this young dog. He was about 10 months old. And it was the same thing that I saw with Shang. I just went, oh my God. And I remember sitting with uh, the prince and saying, you're lucky today. Because that dog is so much better than your bitch. And he turned to me and says, you're right. So from there, we went up and saw the kennel and saw Sh uh, Omar was his name, Omar Sharif. And I put my arms out and the dog jumped into my arms. <laughs> you know, just figure it, you know, a dog that jumps in your, do you like him? <laughs> so I was at Dave's private boardroom at Loblaws and I was showing him, I said, do you want to see the pictures? of Europe from the French Bulldog show. Oh, of course, you know, big gung-ho. So I showed them to him and he called, he said, who's that dog with no back? I said, that's a dog called Omar. I said, they offered him to me. He said, oh, his ears perked up. He says, really? I said, yeah, but you know, this is 1982. And I said, but he's way out of my league. Dave, I cannot afford this dog. And then Dave keeps looking at him. He says, I think you should buy him. Dave, I don't have that kind of money. And Dave just said, I think you should buy him. Do you understand me? <laughs> <laughs> so Loblaws came to the rescue and got me Omar. Wow. Who was, you know, and he stayed in Europe till he finished his uh, FCI titles and everything before I brought him here. And uh, that really started me in Frenchies because he was reported from the breeders of the time to be the greatest French bulldog that there ever was. And these people knew a hell of a lot more than I ever knew. And I said, you know, and we beat out. <laughs> as I was told, some top breeders in Europe, the uh, a mafia connection out of Italy who wanted him. And I said, no, you know, and the people gave him, they sold him to me. And he went on to be a top dog in Canada, good winner in the US, top bulldog of English and French in Holland, he won every single specialty show on the continent. He produced numerous best in show and specialty show winners. And we were just fortunate to own him. He lived with us, sired his last litter at 13 and a half and produced through him best in show winners in Canada, United States, Europe, so, and we, you know, carried on the line and I was 
I've been very fortunate with my association with the Van Romstonks in Holland that I not only had him, but I had uh, a, a young bitch who was top bulldog bitch in Europe. She came here and did a lot of winning also. Uh, and in total four world uh, world winners. So, <laughs> and that's what I still have. I still have stock from Omar here at the house. The youngest being uh, three this July. Well, that's good. That's, I, I think it's amazing that you, you I, I hate when I talk, I don't hate it, but when you speak to somebody who's been in, in their dogs their entire life and then I go to talk to them and they don't have dogs anymore. And this, I find it so refreshing. You still have your French bulldogs. I think it is so sad when judges are not really loving what they do with dogs. And you can see when they're going over a puppy, you know, playing with, oh no, it's got, it's got to stand perfectly still. <laughs> like I can't judge it if it doesn't, you know, and kissing and playing with them. And, you know, that's why we're in the sport is because we, we should be loving dogs and you have to have one around the house. I couldn't, you know. Me either. Yeah, I have to have my dogs. Yeah. And, you know, sitting at TV, playing fetch with them, running through the house and just being clowns is more rewarding than anything else. I agree. So uh, you, you opened the door for me there. When did you start your judging career? I started my judging career in 76. I started the, uh, doing uh, my provisionals. I was asked to judge in Europe to do uh, the Norwegian specialty show through Diane Anderson, whom we had met uh, in the States. She was over visiting family. And I said, well, I better get a license in Canada then. And quite honestly, I wasn't pleased with the way people were judging chows at that point. I didn't think the people in the ring were knowledgeable on the breeder, understood it. And I thought, put your money where your mouth is, Fred, and you get out there and do it. So uh, got it and went to Europe and I, I still have the record of the largest chow chow entry in, in Norway's history. So, you know, that's where I did in the night. So that I've was one there. of your first assignments? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> you know, and, you know, I, would, I did my provisionals here and then went on from then. But, you know, I've been very blessed and people have been very kind of giving me assignments and, you know, giving me sort of some choice uh, bits to judge around the world. And I've, I've, you know, I'm very appreciative of that. No, you've judged now 76. Uh, that's a long time, but um, so I'm not going to add it up. <laughs> <laughs> but out of all the, I'm sure, I'm sure you've seen umpteen number of dogs that have stamped their their greatness on you can you talk to me about some of the dogs that you have judged that aren't being shown right now what dogs you've seen over the years that have stamped you have left marks on you well 
two of them were shown by the same guy. And that was Jim Moses with Hatter and Crystal, both of them absolutely exquisite dogs. And I was judging uh, in Bethlehem, New or Pennsylvania when Christmas time, the only place to be at Christmas is Bethlehem. Uh, <laughs> and I, I, Bert came with me and I said, you know, the one thing I'm not gonna do is put up that German Shepherd. It's been winning so much. Let's see if we can find anything else. I went in that ring. She took my breath away floating across the ring. She was magnificent. Hatter was the same thing. You know, uh, bulldogs throughout the years puzzle uh, the Conamora uh, stone uh, was a beautiful, beautiful bitch. Uh, in Holland, I had a I did the Boston Terrier specialty a number of years ago. And I put up a dog called Elvis out of Germany who went on to win the Crofts show. Danderbrace wasn't too thrilled I put that dog up, but you know, I thought, well, Frank Kane gave him the, gave him the breed. <laughs> Crofts, he can't be that bad. <laughs> <laughs> and then I was judging in Truro uh, about five years ago, I guess. And this little Boston came in. It was his son. Oh, wow. <laughs> and I gave him best in show. And I said, where did you get this? It was, you know, just another magnificent. And there are so many dogs, you know, I think uh, Kiefer, the Afghan, and I can remember the first time I saw him was at the CKC show. You were practicing with him in a ring. And I pulled you aside and said, who the hell is that? <laughs> and he was probably the most spectacular Afghan I have ever seen in my life. Yeah. You know, he just, he, he was just magnificent. And it didn't hurt that a really good friend of mine owned him and bred him. But, you know, you showed him to perfection. And he was there. There are lots of dogs all through the groups that you think of that, you know, have taken your breath away. In Australia, Darren Bowie's English setters yeah. were just to die for. The, the poolies out of Australia are magnificent. There's nothing. The cord maker dogs, there's nothing like them. And, you know, and I've even in South Africa, I put up a Stavitzer Bull Terrier to reserve best in showing. Well, at that point, I went, I don't even like the breed that much. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, quality, that's the thing about judging. Quality has to just hit you perfectly. You know, unfortunately, Dick Mean always used to say, well, not only the cream rises, Fred, but you realize the scum does too. <laughs> <laughs> and we, and you know, and we've seen dogs that have achieved great records, yeah. and you get them in the ring, and your hands on them, and you go, I don't understand this. You know, they were put up by people you respect, and you go, What is it? Is it just peer pressure? Because that can often happen. I remember putting a poodle up and this line of poodles in 
standard poodles in uh, the east coast of the U.S. was a line that I seem to always generate to and always find them. And just lost my train of thought again. Uh, <laughs> but this poodle, uh, I put it up and the people that ran a dog magazine in that area just crucified me. How dare you didn't put up the dog that went to variety at PCA. I said, I happen to like this dog. You know, I liked his substance. I like this, this, this. And I spelled it out what I, but it didn't matter because, you know, are you going to rock the boat? Or are you going to be true to yourself? Right. And I've always decided I'm going to make mistakes and I do make mistakes. And you come back home and you go like, God, what were you thinking? You know, and you think at the time I was judging this dog. I, it, it spoke to me. And we are all going to make mistakes, make mistakes, but there's no question about that. But you have to be true to yourself and put. I, I would dog. Someone once told me in one of these interviews, actually, to be a true judge to yourself, you need to be selfish. You need to put up who you think is the best one. You need to strictly judge selfishly. So that's that, right. I, I agree with that. I agree. It's your own eye. You are paid for an opinion. Hopefully, you are going to give a knowledgeable opinion on the dogs based on understanding of the breed, functionality, type, etc. But you have to have your mind. Well, I always say you have to have a stamp of that breed in your mind when you're judging. What is the outline? What is the first impression you have when judging the dogs you know and have to be true you know and that's what i believe you know you go by your gut feeling your knowledge your experience but you always have to be true to yourself true um what about over the years what mentors have been very influential on you I was thinking about that and in Canada, you know, I would think a couple of people, Max, Magder, Phyllis Wolfish, first of all, come to mind. Yeah. Uh, in the States, Julia Gaza. I can always remember long conversations in the back of her Cadillac over a gin and tonic or something, talking about dogs, breeding program. And to think that this woman who influenced the breed, a breed more than anybody else in the entire world, in my thinking, talked to me about these. And we had, you know, judges like Ed Bracy and uh, Haskell Shovman who would sit down and uh, uh, Lang, Lang Scarda, who would sit down and discuss the breed with you. And if they didn't agree with you, they would guide you in a knowledgeable way. And I can remember at shows of having a class of, of a big class of dogs. And I was like, these dogs were freaking out left, right, and center. So I went to Pat Craig, who was at the show. I said, 
come on over here. Sit here and watch me do and tell me what I'm doing wrong. The, I don't think I have a bad approach to dogs, but Bill, Will, I couldn't touch half the class. They'd be up on the, the tent pegs. Wow. You know, and you have to have people like that that discuss things with them. Each good breeder should be able to discuss knowledgeably about their breed, not their style of dogs that they're breeding, but the overall quality of the breed. What was it meant to do? What do you look for? What, what are you putting your emphasis on? Are those the right things? You know, and discuss it on a one-to-one -one basis. You know, going to seminars, a lot of times we listen to preferences of, I call it, instead of breed types, breed styles. Styles, yeah. Okay, but then, you know, I've discussed a few times and not very much in depth with Judy Elford, who is an incredible breeder of Samoyeds. I've judged in Russia, throughout the US and throughout Europe, I find Vanderbilt dogs every time I judge. I put them up and I say, oh, we're, it's interesting. Where is it from? Oh, we got this from Canada, from Judy Alford. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and that's interesting. You know, you think of people in different breeds that have been important, that were kind enough to talk to you. Uh, the Brookses in Irish Setter, Bill and Patsy Brooks, who had Bayberry, sat down and talked to me about dog. Marianne Padula with Bedlington Terriers talked to me. She told me the inter like, where do you start the rise? This is where you feel the rise of the back off the spine. You go to the second vertebrae from the shoulder blades and there the rise should start. And you get these little things. You know, each breeder can give you at least one uh, bit of knowledge. So you, you actually answered my advice on judges too. Uh, so if you had if you had some advice, you you what kind of advice should a new judge take? Number one, enjoy yourself, go in, prepare yourself, enjoy the dogs totally. Forget about anything else, just enjoy the dogs. Remember too. You are an employee at that show. You are hired by the kennel club that you have hosted you. You have to be their ambassador. Don't be rude. You can be uh, definite, but be polite to your exhibitors. You are the front person to this whole organization. That's good advice. I'm going to take it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that you have a you're very personable and I you know and I get so upset with all these egos in dogs today that they don't they don't seem to care about their dogs they want the ribbon and that's that's about it but god I'll sit there and hug my dogs more than that and go do I really want to show them today? Yeah, <laughs> they're not going to have a good time. 
<laughs> you have to, you have, to have a good time and love dogs. And I think you always said, I, I was about to tell the story. I was showing to you somewhere. I was showing an Airedale bitch to you in, in Best in the Show. And you ended up giving the Airedale Best in the Show. And you were wearing a black watch tartan jacket. Remember this story? Yes, I do. <laughs> and I, I said to you, oh, my God, I love that jacket. And I said, it would look great showing an Airedale with that jacket on. And we got the picture taken, blah, blah, blah. And the day with the everybody started packing up, I went back to my setup. And that jacket was hanging in my setup. I remember that well. Yeah. Oh, I love that jacket. That jacket did so well. <laughs> <laughs> that was at St. Catherine's, as I recall. Yep. <laughs> and Lotus's Lotus Tutton's dog. Yep. She owned Chrissy. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> that, that jacket. I, I I wore that jacket only on special occasions, and it always did very well. I tell you, Mike Billings loved that jacket. She always put me <laughs> up in that jacket. <laughs> A great, great lady. <laughs> <laughs> so so what's what now fred you know you what you've probably judged are there any assignments you wish you you still want to do is there still what is that on your wish list my wish list is i would love to do the chow national in the united states i have never been asked i will never be asked to judge the u.s national they only and frenchies they only have american judges so that's out but I've been very blessed. I've been throughout Europe, uh, Russia, Japan, Australia, all these places, met wonderful, wonderful people. And I've been treated very well. And I've had a great time. And, you know, I don't think I have anything I'm not, I need to judge this show. I've done the Santa Barbers in Chicago's. I haven't judged Westminster, but that's okay. That's okay. I've done a lot of great shows for a lot of wonderful people and been very fortunate to have been asked to do them. Mm -hmm. It always seemed, when you were living here, it always seemed you were somewhere. Always yeah, looked, well, you were somewhere judging. <laughs> yeah, well, it's a little more awkward and extensive from down here to get around, but, you know, it's still going, getting to places, but with the way the world is right now, uh, it's pretty tough. Right. Oh, exactly. Then you've got to be careful anyway. I have a few friends that have been judging, and even they're they're careful judging two hours from their home. They, yeah. Yeah. You, you, you know. And you know, let's face it. I'm uh, I'm more of a stewing hen than a spring chicken. So. <laughs> So you have to be careful too. <laughs> that was good. <laughs> so um, what have you been doing in your free time? My free time? Well, I've done a lot of, I do a lot of committee work here. Uh, I'm on the hospital foundation locally. I was on the arts council. Uh, we're on the local fair board where we tried to bring in a dog show and did it for one year and that has changed with philosophy of people in the club. Uh, you know, uh, I helped Bert out with his theater groups and his uh, aspects. I do a lot of, <laughs> yeah, 
We have a fabulous garden. And we have, as I said, uh, a little B&B &B that we uh, enjoy. It gives us a purpose to get up in the morning. You have to cook breakfast and clean the rooms and whatever. It's not the Holiday Inn, but it's a, it's a small version, but it's something we enjoy. And having the dog sit on the deck at the end of the day and overlook the garden and have a, a cocktail or two is fine. <laughs> Sounds good to me. I have one last question for you then, Fred. If you were to meet the 20-year-old Fred Pettius, what advice would you give him now? Don't lose your hair. <laughs> is, 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 is there a way of doing that? Tell me, please. <laughs> no. no, I would say I, I don't regret anything. Uh, I think I have gone through judging, being honest, not being pressured. Uh, I've overcome a lot of personal attacks uh, from the ringside out of people that didn't necessarily want an opinion. Um, I think I would do everything just about the same. I I've enjoyed my life. I still love my dogs and I love other people's dogs. You know, I just love getting in there and seeing a, a, a wonderful dog that you can just sit there and go, my God, that takes my breath away. It just is exciting to see that, be it, you know, six months or a year or two years, it's really great to see and enjoy them. I, I remember something, I don't know if you remember this, but you taught me something years ago, and it would probably be around 76, because the Met was going on and we had done a little thing with the Met and, and the TV and, and uh, the newspaper, so I got to spend a lot of time. And we were talking away about something, and you taught me about brushing a dog. And you said, I was brushing my dog, getting ready for whatever TV thing was being we were doing. And you said, never brush your draw your dog dry, William. Do you remember that? Mm -hmm. You probably don't. But I, I, that, that stuck with me. I, and I still remember, I'll be teaching my kids when I was showing dogs a lot. I'd say, I'd see them brushing. I said, don't brush that dog dry. <laughs> Spray no, it. Yeah, you'll just rip the coat. Yep. I, I'll never, I was probably about 11 or 12, Fred, when you taught me that. You told me that. Yeah, well, never forgot. You, were, you were always a very receptive person. You could discuss something to you and say, yeah, that looks great or poke fun or say something, but you would listen. And I don't think I was ever mean oh, no. with anything I've said or I've, I've tried not to be. God knows I have a mouth that could, you know, a tongue that could slice <laughs> no. a tomato. But I thought you were a movie star, so. <laughs> <laughs> but thank you. But, you know, uh, I think you have to be kind with everything. And, you know, just have a good time. Don't worry about, oh, I have to, I'm judging. Why are you judging? You To travel, if, if that's what it takes to travel, to be at a dog show and important, you know, I used to have that expression of there's certain people you go, oh, uh, they come up and say, oh, how did you do today? And you go, well, I, and they go, and you know, I did this, 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 this. 
No, they're not. They're just egoing, yeah. ego tripping. You know, just have a great time and be kind to everybody and love, love the dogs. See, I was taught that early on, too, about how did you do today? And it was George, George Olson. I'd say, oh, I did this. I did. He said, you did. You won the pre Iris Center. I didn't realize you were an Iris Center. You know, he, would, he would never let me say things like that. <laughs> <laughs> no, but you think of him and, the you know, George, speaking of George, it's George Ward. Yeah. You know, and I think of Peggy uh, McElwain. You know, knowing Peggy when she was showing an Irish or an old English sheepdog working under George. Yeah. You know, all these people that were, but the Kennel Club he in the United States do not want personalities anymore. They don't want people that have joys or eccentricities. They want little cookie cutters that do this. You judge on time, forget about taking your time with a dog that's having a rough day or the owner's their first time in the ring. You've got to just relax and enjoy it all yeah. and let them let the people have a good time. And those those personalities were so integral to our history. Like I think of Joe Fagel. I think I, I was a kid again, but he left such a mark on me. And it wasn't because he stood in the center of the ring and pointed. It was the things he said and things he did. He was so funny. And oh, I know. Good, you know, outside the people outside of guess you walk your dog and there's no coffee. Guess you didn't have any friends here today, <laughs> did you? <laughs> but we had women, women who had you know big hats that they would judge in and marie meyer i believe her name was who was a female wrestler or something like that you know uh dorothy nickel who was a basketball player and just you know you could talk about different things and have a great time about it and, and you they, couldn't wait till they were on a panel. You couldn't wait. No, you so oh, please, fun. please. And you, oh, I'm going out to that show. Well, it's a five hour drive. I don't care, but look who's judging. I'm going out there and having a good time. Oh my God, yes. I, I, and, and you would like certain dogs that you were showing. I would look six months down the road and say, oh, so and so is judging. I better get to work. You know, <laughs> that's the that's way it's true. Was. That's true. You know, and you know, they would those judges would be consistent with their dogs or you walk in and you go oh my god i'm in trouble today oh yeah because yeah. just looking down that line that's what he's going he or she is really looking for that's their you know type of dog oh, and you weren't the only one that looked forward to them judging so everybody else was getting their dogs ready too for yeah. those people so it was but that just made things like even back in the day when you're waiting for the garden, you, you'd wait for the garden and get your dog as best as you could possibly get it for that time. And it's, I, I feel bad this year for those people that had planned for the garden this year and they yeah. are planning to get their dog at its peak at that date in January. And now they have to wait. <laughs> and, you know, and we so need those type of shows. We need shows that are projecting and promoting purebred dogs to the public. We do not need shows that promote dogs only to the exhibitors. 
you know, right. you spoke of the Met. The Met's oh. philosophy was get the people in the building. However you do it, you can teach them once they're there, but right. show them the breeds. Show them what purebred dogs are. The Met was, yeah. was an event we always look forward to. So. Yeah. We made it special for the exhibitor. And That's we got a lot of people in there to see them. Oh yeah, it was uh, it was great. It was great. Oh, oh that was fun, Fred. <laughs> <laughs> well, I hope it was okay for you. Oh, that was great. And uh, do you have anything else you want to say to the, to the world of dogs out there? No, I don't think so. I just think keep the faith and keep the breeds going. There are too many people that want a quick buck through the the doodles and the caboodles and whatever. But we have to teach the public, show people what purebred dogs are and never stop teaching and promoting them. Those are good words. Well, thanks, Fred. I really appreciate your time today. It was great to catch well, up see you. Good seeing you. Maybe we'll get you down here this Oh, you will. Soon. <laughs> And if you're coming this way, stay with us for a couple I will. of days. That sounds great, Fred. Appreciate it. Okay, then. Thank you. Good okay, you. take care. Bye. Well, thanks, Fred. It was great catching up with you. Looks like you and Bert are doing great down there. We all miss you up here. If you like what we're doing here, make sure you press the like, share, and subscribe button. If you want to get a hold of me, you can get a hold of me at dogshowtips at gmail.com. If you want to find out what's happening in Will's world, go to willalexander.net. And don't forget about the Dog Show Drive, our podcast, myself and Wayne Kavanaugh, every Thursday. Until then, take care, everybody.